0: I said to someone earlier this evening that I feel like a free man now that the bulletins are done because it's a big weight taken off. So these little things that you have to do to to make things run smoothly and to make it seem effortless for everyone really uh, take a lot of effort. But once they're done and out of the way, they're necessary things. But once they're done and out of the way, it's such a wonderful relief to take a breath and to take a step back and to be able to be really present in the worship and in the liturgy of this week, this is a week of extremely powerful emotional liturgy and scripture and observances in many traditions that go back hundreds and hundreds of years. Tonight we celebrate Maundy Thursday. It's an unusual word. It's actually the anglicized term uh, for mandatum or mandate which was Latin, and that is the mandate that comes from Christ himself to his disciples in this gospel reading that we hear every single year on this night. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's the Monday in Monday Thursday. It's a night of sort of contrasting, clashing images. On the one hand, it's a joyous night, which is why uh, I'm vested in white, which is why the chalice has white uh, veil over it, because this is the night we celebrate the institution of the Holy Eucharist. So if we look back to the readings, uh, the first readings we had tonight, The reading from Exodus is the institution of Passover. Very, very specific rules and uh, regulations about how and when to eat this meal, even at which speed you should eat it, hurriedly, with your staff in your hand. And so likewise, we also hear the story from Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he recounts the institution of the Holy Eucharist. So compare the ending of our reading from the Old Testament with the ending from the New Testament. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. And then from the words from the mouth of Christ, who, of course, was very much a part of this culture, very much understood the meaning of Passover, had no doubt these scriptures memorized. He says to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So a very similar yet different approach. It's, it's clearly something new that has roots in the old. It comes out of the Jewish Passover, but it is the Christian Passover. We receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, who is our Passover. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. We say that every single time we celebrate the Holy Eucharist. And that is why. So Christ becomes our Passover. Christ becomes our Passover lamb, our sacrifice. We also give thanks tonight because of the institution, thats the traditional observance of the institution of the ordained priesthood. Through Jesus' death and resurrection and through the waters of baptism, we are all grafted into his body. We are all... A priesthood of believers and we all have a role to play in God's kingdom and in God's forwarding God's mission however there are some people who are called to a different level of service to God to dedicate their lives in a particular way to be those who dispense the sacraments of the new covenant to pronounce the blessings of the church and to open and interpret the scriptures for the people. And so we look to this time in the upper room as the institution of that office. Now, of course, it was nothing like an ordination service that you would go to today. The ones that we go to now are part of an institutional church, and they have developed over many centuries. But here, Jesus is giving the command to these 12 Not to Judas, but to those who remain, to break this bread and share this cup in my name. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this always until I come. So, another stark difference between the Old Covenant Passover and the New Covenant Passover is that it doesn't say we do this as a perpetual ordinance for all time and all eternity. We do it until the Lord comes. We do it to proclaim his death and resurrection and his coming kingdom until the day that he comes. The Holy Eucharist is such a beautiful and meaningful thing to me and I hope to you that it's, off, it's, it's almost a, a, stark, uh, a stark realization to think that in the end, when all things come to pass in the good time of the Lord, we won't need it anymore. It's such a comfort and such a part of our lives, but we won't need it because we will be with the Paschal Lamb. We will be with Jesus Christ. And so we give thanks on this night for the gift of the Holy Eucharist and for the gift of the priesthood, which has multiplied throughout the world and to all corners and which makes it possible for this sacrament to be given to the people. Now, there's also a sad, dark tinge to this night. Because he is in the upper room. It is the night before he suffered, the night before he was betrayed. He is with his closest band of friends, knowing that one of them will betray him, And almost all of them will desert him. Washing their feet, breaking their bread, sharing the wine with them, singing the hymns, praying the prayers. It must have been an astoundingly, I imagine, a a tense night, a tenseness of uh, anticipation that was in the heart's of all, especially Jesus, who knew exactly what was to come. The others were sort of in a state of confusion, maybe disbelief. And so later tonight, we will observe another beautiful tradition of the church. After the Eucharist, we will go down to our chapel, to the altar of repose, which represents the Garden of Gethsemane, the place where Jesus wept and prayed and where he was eventually betrayed by one of his closest band, of one of the closest followers he had. But not before we also stripped the altar bare of all of its ornaments, all of its beautiful decoration, down to the bare stone. Because the altar, many things in the church have dual meanings and dual representations, and the altar represents several things to us. It represents the banquet table of heaven, that bountiful banquet table where we will feast forever in eternity. It also represents the Holy Sepulchre where the Paschal Lamb, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so we strip all the beautiful cloths and the the furnishings and the brass. We take all that away and we see the stark, cold stone, just like the cold stone on which he was to be laid. And it is washed in a ceremonial way that represents the preparation of Christ's body before, uh, before burial. In the Jewish rites, they were very specific, uh, prescribed rituals for anointing a body, and this was, of course, done for Jesus, and we honor that with the washing of the altar. So a night of light and shadow, interplaying, intermixing, a night of emotion and wonder. This is the night in which the bells are silenced. When you heard the tower bell ring to call us in to this night's liturgy. That is the last time the bell will ring until Easter Sunday. There's a quaint, uh, a quaint folktale, I guess you could say in France, regarding the bells the children are given chocolate bells on uh, Easter Sunday. And the, the, the folk tale is that the bells all fly away on Maundy Thursday to Rome where they get, they get to meet the Pope and they get blessed and then they all fly back in time for Easter Sunday. It's an interesting story, but it, it's a way of explaining to children why there are no bells uh, that they hear. But, but more seriously, the reason these bells are silenced is because the bells announce the joy of the resurrection. And from this point forward, we are headed straight in to the darkest part of Holy Week, into the death the crucifixion, the agony. So I hope that you will leave here tonight with a sense of wonder in your heart, a sense of inspiration, and a sense of awe for the sacrifice that our Lord made for all of us for all time until he comes again. There's that old gospel hymn, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? I hope that you feel like you're there. Because that's what our liturgy is about we are not just uh, we're not just memorializing or not recreating something like at a historic site uh, we are participating across time and space with the story of salvation we do that every time we gather for worship but especially on this week so, May you be blessed by your time here tonight. I hope that you'll be able to join us for the other services of Holy Week because they are all part of a whole, part of something much bigger. It makes the joy of Easter morning so much more rewarding. So may you be blessed on this night. As we leave the uh, church and go down to the chapel this evening, uh, do know that the chapel will be open all night with the blessed sacrament on the altar for prayer and meditation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.